Chapter 3 Gambling With the possible exception of pool, no other game lends itself to gambling better than golf. While not condoned by the USGA, the Royal, or the ever-so-ancient blokes abroad, gambling or wagering is as much a part of the game as the clubs, or, for that matter, the swing. If the game took hold in 15th century Scotland, as we are told by most golf historians, one would or could only conclude that the gambling aspect was the fundamental reason for its popularity, as opposed to an option in the course of playing. Assume the probable scenario of a group of shepherds taking to the hills in early spring with their individual flocks and dogs. The purpose was to fatten up the sheep, a task that, while requiring very little heavy lifting, would definitely require an escape from boredom of major proportions. Could it have all started this simply? McDuff, me friend, I'm gonna betcha I can take me crook and hit this dried ball of dung over to the bush on yon bray in less than five strokes. You're on, young Andrew, and I'll wager you one of me finest ewes again two of your own that you cannot. Was that it? Was that the root of the skins game? Six or eight weeks in the hills with a flock of sheep as collateral and more than enough dried balls of dung to go around? It seems the only time-filling recreation that makes any sense at all. Assuming those guys were, well, you know. With a 400-year segue to the present time, we could compare our present-day hacker arriving home after a bad outing on the course and breaking the news to his wife that dining out that evening was not going to happen. How similar to McNamara coming into sight of the homestead with a flock of 30 that had numbered 46 when he'd left. I contend you need to play for something, anything, that will make you pay attention to what you are doing and keep you from merely hitting one bad shot after another in pursuit of nothing. In an effort to calm the folks at 1-800-ADMIT-IT, I will attempt to use the term wager as opposed to gamble. Drawing to an inside straight or playing a three-team parlay is a gamble. The odds of success are very slim, whereas the reward can be substantial, and you have virtually no control over the outcome. Ergo, it's a gamble. The situation that presents itself with golf is unique, given the handicap system that is employed at every course in the world. The system will serve to level the playing field for any and all wagering. But that is not to say you are risk-free by any means. If your handicap is 12, then you need to play like a 12 and not an 18. If your opponent is a 12, you need for him to play at that level or worse. Most of you are well-versed in the various forms of golf wagering, and I only ask your patience for a short time while I brief those who are not. The Nassau is the basis for most games played today, and it simply involves three separate bets. The front nine, the back nine, and the full 18, known as the all-day. It is generally acceptable for a player to press, if or when he is two down, for either nine-hole bet. It is common for the format to involve automatic two-down presses, though this is not mandatory. This format can be both complicated as well as expensive, and I suggest you find a golf buddy who is up on all of it to explain it to you before you commit to any such game. Without any presses, if you were to play a $5 Nassau as a team game or individually, you might win or lose $15 at the most. Another format that has risen in popularity is known as COD. Here you play three six-hole matches, with the first six holes having the two people in each cart as partners, carts, the next six with the driver of one cart and the passenger of the other as partners, opposites, and the last six with the two cart drivers teaming up, drivers. 
The increments of said bets can be any amount and may or may not involve presses. But again, it presents the opportunity to get involved in three separate games. The most common side bet is the skins game, which should be familiar to all. A key to skins, however, is to carry over the halved holes. That will result in a player winning the first skin of the day on hole number seven, collecting seven skins from each of the players involved. Another side game that is not only my favorite, but in my opinion the one that is most helpful in improving your game is that which involves the number of putts for the round. At $1 a putt, the players at the conclusion of the round who have had the fewest total putts would receive $1 from each player for the number of putts over their totals. To begin with, it puts everybody in the game, even if there is a wide variance in skill levels. Further, and most importantly, it forces everyone to complete the hole and putt them all. It will not only sharpen up your putting, but your short game as well. By the way, it is limited to only putts from the green itself, not those struck from the fringe. All right, I am done with wagering 101. For those of you who I referred to above as well-versed, let me share a story of what I feel was the ultimate in the $5 Nassau automatic two-down multiple game wagering I have ever been a part of. For the not-so-well-versed, you will get a good idea of just how complicated and expensive it can get, not to mention exciting. In the spring of 89, I began a 10-year gig at a public facility west of Fort Lauderdale, a gig I describe in detail in a subsequent chapter. A few weeks prior to the start of that employment, I showed up there one day just looking for a game. The place was usually real quiet, and I was not actually sure I would get hooked up with anyone at all. I had then and still have no desire to play alone, but I was just hoping to play golf. I had paid my $12 fee and was hitting some putts on what was a not-so-bad putting green when I spotted Nick Burroughs coming out of the shop, followed by a group of players, 14 in total. I watched as they gathered at the first tee and threw their bags on carts, all the while barking out potential bets with one another. Nick was the oldest son of Julius, and I noticed that two of his other sons— Guy and Gary were also in the mix. I knew them only slightly, but well enough to know they were very strong players who could and usually would shoot in the mid-60s on just about any course they played. As for the other participants, I had no clue who they were, but could only assume they were players as well. As I was assessing the scene with no intention of getting involved, Nick called out to me. It seemed their 16th player had just called the pro shop and canceled. Did I want to fill his spot? If so... I would be in the first group, and oh yeah, they were playing each foursome against every one of the other foursomes. That would make three matches, in a best one, best two, best three, and best four ball, with automatic two downs at $5. Okay, now make that four games with three groups, and they'd have 12 games at $5 with autos. To make things even more exciting, none of the three Burroughs brothers was to be in my group. My captain, an A player, was Frankie Picone who, at 60 years of age, was a professional and worked in upstate New York during the summer and spent the winter months in Fort Lauderdale with the Burroughs family. He was and still is like a member of the family, and the boys refer to him as Uncle Frankie. I did not know a thing about his game. Halfway down the first fairway, I took a quick inventory of my left front pocket and came up with a total of $67. That was absolutely no good. That was no friggin' good. In fact, that was bad. I was playing with 11 total strangers and four people I only knew fairly well. If we stunk up the place and the other groups played well, there was a potential to lose over $300. We were next to the parking lot, and as I looked at my car, I had thoughts of possibly faking a seizure. 
Better I should have one there rather than later at the 19th hole. I stayed in the cart. We all made pars on the first and headed to number two. Geez, I'm glad you were here, Murph, remarked Frankie. He added, this is a fun game. You just got to avoid any big numbers and we can't get hurt. Just as he said that, I glanced back at the first green and saw one ball about five feet from the hole as Guy knocked it inside. Oh, shit, I thought. Oh, shit. I later learned that most of the other players, including my teammates, were sellers at the Hollywood Dog Track or Calder Racetrack. All gamblers, and all with fairly good golf games. Most had handicaps of around 12 or 13, and with no shots involved in that game and every putt touching bottom, the teams were all fairly close. The player I was filling in for was a 10, and with me at what was probably an 8, we should have been okay. We finished in just over three hours, and we headed to the bar. I had managed to avoid any big numbers and had actually made a few birdies. Frankie was convinced we were going to win some cash. I took some comfort in his opinion while I found a seat at the end of the bar near an exit, a possible escape route. I held a firm grip on a Budweiser and watched as Frankie cleaned up the scorecard, which had enough numbers on it to resemble a blackboard at a Princeton advanced math class. Keep in mind that the best four balls on a par five were hopefully about 19, but could be 23 or more. As the second group came in, I heard that Guy had shot 66 on his own ball. I was no longer feeling any hope of the day ending well. The match of cards with that many games and presses was beyond tedious. It was mind-boggling and required a great deal of concentration. The third group was in and Frankie was not finished matching cards with the second group. Finally, I saw him hand over a bunch of cash and mutter a few expletives. He came my way and gave me the news that we had lost $90 apiece to group two with three and four still to be matched. I handed Frankie 60 bucks and explained that I would have to run to the ATM across the street. That would have been easy enough, assuming I had either an ATM card or an account I could access an ATM card with. Not the case. I sort of fake-walked my car and returned in a few minutes, prepared to use the ever-so-unique and original Lost ATM Card Saga. I took a detour to the men's room to kill some more time and ran into one of my teammates who had a big smile on his face. Thank God for that last group, he said. Really? Why? What happened? I inquired optimistically. We buried them on all four balls, he replied. Whoopee, I thought as I headed back to the bar. Was it enough to cover the other two groups? Frankie got up and met me halfway. Murph, you got no idea how big that birdie you made on number 17 was. He had a big smile on his face. He handed me $140. Wait a minute, I owe you 30, I reminded him. I already took it off, he said emphatically. As it happened, we had actually beat the third group badly on the best three and best four, in addition to the last group on all four games, due for the most part to none of us posting any big numbers. Four and a half hours earlier, I had been hoping for a game, any game. Instead, I'd found the game of all games. No seizure, no ATM story, and a few beers later, I could not wait for the next of the ventures to come about. It was never to happen. To this day, and with all the organizing of players in skins games and dogfights, I never once succeeded in getting enough players to put one together. For those of you who might feel I experienced some sort of sick rush from getting into a situation that had disastrous possibilities, that was not the case, and in fact I was a complete wreck for the entire three hours or so. While we were playing, there was no rush, no enjoyment. It was torture, and I can think of no other word or words to describe it except I had felt trapped. Earlier, I suggested you've got to play for something, and that by doing so, you will learn better course management and game management. 
Prior to the day I detailed above, I had not really played many money games in Florida. Most wagering situations were of little consequence and would never have motivated me to manage each and every shot in anticipation of the next. That day forced me to do just that, and I have to believe that it carried over. In the introduction of this book, I tried to make it clear I am not an expert in even one aspect of this game, and that would include gambling, or if you prefer, wagering. Since that day 20 years ago, I have played hundreds of matches with and without partners, and I honestly have no idea if I've won more than I've lost. I suppose it is natural to recall the winning days and not the others. There are, however, some people that are way ahead in the one-lost column. Not all of those, I submit, should be labeled as hustlers. The hustler is, by nature, dishonest and generally easily noticed. He'll take a dive at the $5 level and then play lights out for 20s. You all know your neighborhood hustler, and I see no need to give him any more ink. I am referring to those with the patience and good judgment to turn down matches on a regular basis and show strong discipline when it comes to giving and or receiving strokes. It's easy to fall prey to the temptation of accepting a match on the first tee you know is not at all tilted in your favor or your team's. You came to play, and like all of us, the number you expect to post that day is about four strokes better than you are capable of shooting. In nine out of ten cases, if you turn down the match, they will come back to you with a more acceptable offer. That is not hustling. That is just smart. And those who practice that discipline have nothing but my respect. With all of the above being said, the sad fact is the entire wagering aspect has lost significance due to the cost of playing the game. With greens fees reaching triple figures at most decent courses, the idea of leaving the place with more cash than when you arrived is next to impossible. Time was that a hustler or well-disciplined player could pay a relatively small fee and walk away with a tidy sum. Given the present-day situation, the increments of any and all bets would need to be increased substantially for that to be the case. But do not fear. We shall not be overcome by any inflated or out-of-hand economy. Should you and a buddy take on two other players you just love to beat, and you both come away $25 ahead, then your story is the $25 win. The $75 greens fees is not part of the story.